I've heard it said that it's easier to get a marriage license than a driver's license. Wow. And yet we're so ill-equipped for marriage. And and it's almost like, I, I remember my mom at some point down the road after many years of our marriage, she said, well, I just thought you would figure it out. Oh. Like, and, and, you know, my parents were, uh, loved the Lord. They, they had been missionaries in, in Germany for 25 years, just poured their lives into, you know, spreading the gospel. Yeah. And that was her approach to, to me getting married. She was like, well, I just thought you would figure it out. And it's like, wow, like we don't do that with our babies, you know? We, yeah. we really nurture our babies. Yeah. Like, we feed them. We listen to their cries. We hold them. We love them. Yeah. And yet it seems like we have this mentality that when people, and, and our churches are full of couples, engaged couples getting married that really aren't equipped mm-hmm. for marriage. Welcome to Growing with the Nearest podcast. I'm Sonia Nira. And I'm Brian. And we are on a journey to grow and learn with you in the areas of faith, purpose and relationship today oh my goodness (laughs) we are so excited brian why are we excited we are so excited because we have the opportunity to have some incredible guests on our show we have dr glenn and phyllis dr glenn and phyllis thank you so much for being Mm -hmm. here today now, before we dive in, I am going to read your official bio because oh. it, it deserves yeah, to be read. It deserves to be De- read. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. Dr. Glenn Hill is a marriage and family therapist, clinical sexologist, Connections Code coach, and author with a private practice in Nashville, Tennessee. His greatest credential, though, is his 38-year marriage. Is it still 38? No, it's 40. It's a 40. 40 years. I thought that 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 was going to be just a little bit off. 40-year marriage with Phyllis. He enjoys doing absolutely anything with her, especially traveling and spending time with their family of 20. Hallelujah. (laughs) Phyllis Hill is an entrepreneur, Connection Codes coach, and the engine that keeps everything running can somebody Mm. say amen to that (laughs) she enjoys the partnership uh, and adventure she and glenn share and loves being honey to their Mm -hmm. 10 grandchildren Mm -hmm. the pain of their early marriage married years along with decades of research and experience led the hills to the founding of the connections code They provide counseling to couples, families, individuals, churches, and businesses in helping people build deep connection. They have witnessed the connection codes help heal and enrich countless lives and relationships. It is the Hill's mission to take the connection codes to every corner of the globe. Echo Vetter is Glenn and Phyllis's oldest child. She is a writer, connections code coach, and homeschooling mom of five with a passion for mental health women's health, and helping families connect and thrive. And she's who, who wrote the book with right. you yes. as well. Yes. And so today we, we have the amazing opportunity wow. to talk with them about uh, Connections Code, this book that they've written and a program that they um, are literally blessing the lives of so many people with. Mm-hmm. But we're also going to dive into the topic of conflict. Absolutely. I would love for you just to give us the overview of what this is all about Mm -hmm. and how this can be so beneficial in people's lives. Yeah. Well, for us, and the Connection Coaches grew out of our pain 
uh, like virtually every couple we've ever known, 24 hours before our wedding, we were excited about happily ever after. <laughs> and for us, as is true for so many couples, 48 hours after our wedding, we were just shell-shocked. <laughs> like, what the heck just happened? And it didn't make sense to me, it didn't make sense to us that we could go that far in our uh, experience within two or three days. Like, what? This doesn't make any sense. Mm. And we had just signed a 70-year contract. I was 20 years old. I figured I'd die when I was 90. <laughs> Although at that point, I was hoping it'd be sooner because I was like, this is brutal already. And I mean, literally, we're two days uh, into our marriage. And I'm like, what the heck? So it didn't make any sense to me. Uh, I don't have many skills. My greatest skill is that I'm not going to give up. I'm going to figure this thing out, whatever the yes. thing is. If you give me something that's not working, it may take me six weeks, but I will figure out how to fix that thing. It doesn't make sense. How could this, this was designed to work, whatever the thing is, you know, a, a tool, yeah, a toy yeah. or something. And I thought, this can't be true. And, and I'm faith-based. I was faith-based then. And I thought, who designed this horrible idea? Who would do this? Thank you for laughing at my face. Who, who would set this terrible thing up? And I believe that God was the designer, was behind marriage. And I thought, this is awful. This is just unbearable. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, and it took us about 20-something years before we really uh, figured some things out and got yeah. some traction. We've been married a little over 40 years now, and really it's just been the last uh, 10 years. It's a little embarrassing to say because I always say we're the slow kids in the group because uh, <laughs> it took us so long to get you know some sense of deep connection, mm -hmm. but we always believed that it was possible. We just couldn't believe that this is as good as it gets. Yeah. And uh, my wife, so we're 20 years into our marriage, when she said, babe, uh, as hard as you work, we should be rich, and we're not rich, so you have to quit, <laughs> quit working. She literally made me quit working. I'm like, I don't know a lot of men that can say their wives made them quit working. Yeah. And she said, I'll take care of money. You go back to school. Uh, figure wow. this thing out. And it really, and I mean, I did a lot of it, but... Every benchmark in our relationship has been because of Phyllis Cruz. She's like, you got to figure this out. And I was a contractor, not a very good one. I worked hard, and I, my kids never went hungry. Yeah. We were never homeless, but I just wasn't suited uh, for doing that. And so Phyllis knew there had to be something better, and we wanted to figure this relationship thing out. Well, you know, it's great that the topic is conflict because for yeah. us, you know, we went into marriage thinking we had all the foundational things in order our love for god our ability like glenn's just passion for the word and his knowledge of the word and just yeah. it was like jesus was such a huge part of us yeah. and you know we just our desire for ministry our desire for just the kingdom mm -hmm. and you know we fought really hard for purity and all the yeah. things like we and and even financially we were we we bought our first house, closed on it two weeks before the wedding. And, wow. you know, we both had good jobs and we bought a new car so we'd have a good transportation. And so on paper, we looked mm. like, yeah. wow, you guys, this is definitely all, you've checked all the boxes. Yeah. And then our honeymoon just, it, it fell apart. It, wow. And it was like, wow, there was so much damage done just on our honeymoon, so much pain. Yeah. And, and conflict started right then. And, you know, coming off of our honeymoon, it was like, who do we talk to? Like, there was not, it was, there was so much just embarrassment, shame, and just, you know, it was like everyone expected us 
to be and do great. And, and so to come back from that, and it was like, amazing how quickly we could wound each other oh man you know it was like all the years of dating it it, there was not that type of wounding and then now that we were married and we had nowhere else to go but home with each other and then it was just kind of like the the conflict was like we couldn't get a resolution Mm. and so the conflict built upon another conflict which built upon another conflict and it was like, wow, we just didn't have the tools. It's like we did not know how to navigate. And, you know, it's it's like at that point, Glenn just started reading every book he could find on marriage. And then he'd, oh, wow. he'd try to get me to read one. And I was like, no, thank you. No, I'm not reading any of that. And And then, you know, we went to every marriage retreat and seminar. And nothing we heard really made sense to what we were going through. Sure. As far as it just wasn't tools we would try, like, uh, let's pray together more. Let's read the Bible together more. But it was like, okay, we're already doing so much of that, and that is not helping mm-hmm. us with the conflict that we're having. And and it was just, you know, I, I would say we were genuinely trying. And I think that with a lot of married couples, it's like, first of all, we have, we, we don't, we're not transparent enough mm-hmm. with each other in our yeah. friendships. Yeah. And yeah. so we want to say everything's fine, everything's good, we're doing great, but it's really that transparency that we so desperately need. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, it's in time that you, the pain gets so big that you eventually just, it starts oozing out of you. So you yeah. turn to somebody, you talk to somebody eventually, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily mean that the somebody you talk to is really going to give you much good yeah. advice yeah. or counsel and and so we went through quite a few where we were getting really bad <laughs> counsel, actually. And and so there was that desire of this cannot be what marriage was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a way to have the tools. And, you know, as Glenn said, fast forward many years mm-hmm. to just the writing of the book and the connection codes and just realizing that what what we miss so often is that we don't even understand how God created us. Yeah, that's so good. You know, and that I know for me, I was 50. Wow, I was 50 years old before I learned that my brain has houses emotion. I had no idea that God created that on purpose. And for me, I, uh, as a child especially, emotion was not tolerated. And so I just put everything aside and I was a doer. So, you know, I just worked harder and, and I created what, you know, seemed like perfection in my my home and my order and, and with Glenn. And so it was like, wow, I just did not tune in at all to what my emotions were. And you can't do that. You yeah. know, eventually your body just breaks down. Wow. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. And, and it was about the time that Glenn was, he was in school and he was doing all this research and it was like, wow. And this was such a big missing piece to our whole life is to realize if I don't understand emotion, if I don't understand what's happening with me, if I can't tune in to even just be able to communicate to him authentically what yeah. my needs are, yep. then I'm all, it's like I'm trying to fake it till yeah. I make it. Yes. Yeah. You know? Exactly right. And I mean, I was even taught those kinds of sayings. Yep. Fake it till you, you make, make it. it. Yep. You know? And just that idea of, just choose joy. 
Yeah. Just choose joy, mm. which yeah. means there's no tolerance for sad. sad. There's yep. no tolerance for fear. There's no tolerance for shame. And so for us, it was just like such a disaster because we were creating, it's like eventually, and, and especially for your listeners who've been married a while, they may go, oh, we just have topics we stay away from. Mm. That's, we know our trigger topics, so we don't talk about those because mm. if we ever get close to those and we have a big blow-up fight, wow. we don't want to fight, so we just have all these topics mm. that we stay away from. And we think that's the way marriage is supposed to go. Yeah. Instead of realizing, no, 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 we're supposed to be able to talk about anything and authentically be able to talk about anything, even if we don't experience it the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was just really huge. Yeah, which is funny because the second decade of our marriage, basically, we learned not to talk about the following list of topics, which is a long list. (laughs) And so everybody thought that we were doing great. And we literally, we taught the marriage classes. We led the marriage retreats because people looked at us and said, well, look at them. They don't Mm -hmm. like, they don't really fight. Well, we didn't fight. We didn't do anything. We we weren't connected at all. And so neutrality became the the standard. And people were like, wow, Phyllis and Glenn have a great marriage. No, we just didn't. And by then we had several babies, which kept us busy. And we didn't talk about anything of depth. Uh, and we just learned, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't touch that. And so we looked like we got along, but actually we were completely isolated within ourselves. I was not able at all to present myself authentically, vulnerably to her and very much uh, vice versa. So the standard, and, and early on as I read so many books and we went to marriage retreats, they always talked about intention and effort. You have to have better intentions and you have to try harder. And I'm sitting there hearing that going, wait, I did not marry this girl because I wanted to live in pain. That was not my plan. If you'd said to me 24 hours before our wedding, 48 hours from now, dude, you are going to be in brutal pain. I'd be like, no, are you kidding me? Look at this girl. No, this is going to be awesome. So I didn't need better intentions and I didn't need more effort. I was trying my hardest and she was too. We were overwhelmed with how hard we were trying. And the more we tried, the worse it got. And so we'd go to these retreats, and that's what they'd always present. You know, well, you just got to have a better intention. You got to try harder. And I'm thinking, that's just not, you know, you need to read your Bible more. I'm like, no, we don't. We're we're reading our Bible. I I mean, I accidentally became a Bible scholar because I read the Bible so much. (laughs) I didn't even try. I mean, we just read Scripture so much. I'm like, that is not the, it sounds neat. And who's going to stand up and go, that's silly. You know, that just sounds blasphemous. So you have to go, yes, we need to read our Bible well, you need to pray together more. And we're like, oh, my goodness, we pray together. I mean, literally, there were times in our lives we were praying an hour to two hours a day together because we were wow. in a very, very structured church setting. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that, I mean, what? Is it magical when you pray three hours a day? Mm. <laughs> oh, if you hit three hours, then you'll live halfway ever after. So we were just puzzled and, you know, baffled because nothing we heard made mm. it any better. And, you know, one of the things was always, oh, well, you need to keep dating after you're married. So we would go out on a date each week and fight for an extra <laughs> hour and 45 minutes that week. It's like, well, we nailed that one. You know, and now mm. we date every week and we have more time to have conflict and to wound each other. I'm like, that's not the solution. So we just couldn't yeah. figure out what it was that we were missing. And the fundamental was we just didn't have the tools. We had no idea. We always say that it's like somebody's trying to get a nail into a board and they're just exhausting themselves. And then we find out they're using a toothbrush. Mm. You're, you can't get a nail into it. Maybe a little, you know, the nail's barely hanging on. But you don't need more effort. And you don't need better intention. You need better tools. Mm. And if you don't have the right tool, and then we finally get them a hammer, and they're like, well, shoot. 
Yeah. <laughs> that works. I would have liked it. We hear this all the time. People are like, I would have liked to have known this eight years ago, 15 years ago, 27 mm-hmm. years ago, because we've really exhausted ourselves beating on this nail with a toothbrush, and it doesn't work. So good. What the Lord has put inside of Glenn and Phyllis is wisdom. Yeah. It is how to do what we know to do. Yeah. And we need wisdom yeah. and I'm so grateful to receive wisdom mm-hmm. and I really want our listeners mm-hmm. to really dive into what the connection codes is and the tools that they offer because um, I think that it can be a vehicle a vehicle for your faith to manifest what you're mm-hmm. really desiring for your marriage yeah. I've heard it said that it's easier to get a marriage license than a driver's license Wow! and yet we're so ill-equipped for marriage and and it's almost like I I remember my mom at some point down the road after many years of our marriage she said well I just thought you would figure it out like and and you know my parents were uh, loved the Lord they they had been missionaries in in Germany for 25 years just poured their lives into you know spreading the gospel and that was her approach to to me getting married she was like well I just thought you would figure it out and it's like wow like we don't do that with our babies you know we we really nurture our babies like we feed them we listen to their cries we hold them we love them and yet it seems like we have this mentality that when people and in our churches are full of couples engaged couples getting married that really aren't equipped Mm -hmm. for marriage and it's kind of like we we just don't realize how much we could help how much we could walk alongside our couples. And, you know, there's, there's, I mean, we get emails on a daily basis of people pouring out their hearts and pouring out just the, their struggles and really believing that it, just like us, we had a check mark, like, you know, between the purity and, and the modesty and the love for God and the, the scripture and the fact that we could pray together and we could, we led, you know, Bible studies together. We, studied the word together we had all the things that people would say would just be all that you need and so we were so devastated by the the wounding that we caused each other and you know after 40 years of marriage what what excites me so much with the connection codes and just understanding god's design of us that and you've heard this opposites attract and we're just as opposite today as as we've ever been after 40 years of marriage and and I love that we can be that, like that we can see the world differently. We can experience the day differently. You know, Glenn loves when it rains and it's dark. And I'm I, like, he just loves <laughs> like that today. kind of day. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm just going, oh, where's the sunshine? And, you know, and it's like, there's not a judgment on that. It's just, we're different. Yeah. And, and there's, it's, it's like learning all these tools took the judgment out of our relationship man early for many decades i hate to say many decades when we would have a fight i would say man i wish there was cameras in the house we would spend hours going over an incident between us because he knew that his version was correct and i knew my version was correct and then often if the if this lasted for days if not weeks then we would sit down with another couple to just tell his side, my side, and they would referee, well, Phyllis, you could have done this better, and well, Glenn, I think you were wrong by that. And yeah. and now it's like 
we have this simple language where I can just say, wow, I, I feel really hurt by what you said. Mm. And Glenn just makes space for that. He doesn't argue his defense. He's, he doesn't come back at me with, well, I didn't mean to hurt you or get over it or you're too sensitive. It's like he hears my pain, my hurt, and he just makes space for it. And it's such a beautiful thing. And it's same for, for me. Like if, if Glenn feels, you know, hurt by something I've said or something I've done, he can just tell me. Yeah. And we don't have to go in front of a judge and a jury and figure out, mm. was I wrong? Was I not wrong? Mm -hmm. And I no longer have to be my own lawyer. I no longer have to go hire a lawyer. I can just make space for how he experienced that yeah. situation. And then I can just show up for him. And, you know, it's interesting because just things that over the years – like, he would be feeling a certain way about something or somebody, and he would tell me, and I would think, oh, I have to fix this now. Mm. So I would either go after the situation, or I would try to convince him, no, babe, that's not what they think about you. They think you're wonderful. And I would have this long list of proof. Well, he then never felt heard. Mm. He wasn't trying to get me to fix him. He was just wanting space able to express the pain of what he was feeling about this person or that person or this situation and it's just amazing that now we just have this simple language and these simple tools where we're able to show up for each other yeah. we're able to what we call follow each other's energy which means just make space if you're having a bad day I just want to sit with you in that and hear your heart and not try to change you fix you move you into a different room so you'll be happy yeah. it's like wow that's not my job i don't need to make you happy mm -hmm. but i want to sit with you in your pain when you're feeling pain yeah. and it's such a difference of how to live life and of course you know many people sh share with the connection codes of course it's built i mean it came out of our pain so there's a lot of that in this in the book our story but it does it's not just for marriage it's for any relationship yeah. Absolutely. Which is so powerful when you realize, okay, this works with my kids. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it does. And and to realize your kids need you to hear them. Yeah. They need you to make space for what they're going through. And I think as parents, sometimes we're always trying to fix. Yeah. We're fixers, you know. And I know in ministry even, yeah. like we feel like, and that's, I believe, why a lot of us burn out in ministry. Because yeah. we're always thinking we have to fix, fix, yeah. fix, fix. Yeah. We have to give everyone the answer that they're looking for. And we and I think the burnout is when people come back. We've already given them our best advice, and they come back with the exact same complaint. And we're like, well, why didn't you do what I told you last week? Mm. You're looking for a different answer? I'm just going to give you the exact same answer. Yeah. But really, they just want to be heard. Mm. They just need to be heard by us yeah. and know that they exist and that they matter and that they have value. Yeah, and the vast majority of modern marriage therapy, marriage counseling, marriage coaching, whatever, is all about being a mediator, being a referee. Mm -hmm. And so the problem is there are 960,000 possibilities, or 8 billion, I have no idea. So there's so many possibilities of how these two can have a conflict. So now we have to just every day, I guess, we have to get with you for 45 minutes and go over every conflict you had that day, and we're just mediating. We're just being the referee. We're going, oh, okay, well, Brian's, you know, 62% wrong, and she's 38% wrong or whatever. Uh, and that didn't help you at all. Because now tomorrow we just have to do it again because there's going to be another scenario. Exactly right. And we want to get people the tools so that they figure out what's happening. And Phyllis will experience something completely differently than I experienced it and completely differently than I intended it to be. And that's irrelevant. If she felt pain, 
if she felt hurt, if she felt whatever in that experience, my role and my goal is just that she feels heard uh, by me. And it doesn't matter. Now, if, if I'm intentionally trying to wound her, that's a whole different level. That's a whole other issue. But the vast, vast, vast majority of the time, I'm not trying to hurt her. Everybody can have a crappy day and be unkind. But the vast majority of the time, I wasn't trying to wound her. She wasn't trying to wound me. We just missed uh, with each other. And now we're able to recognize that. And we literally process through tense moments in less than 30 seconds, which blows my mind. If you had said mm -hmm. to me 20 years ago that that was a thing, I would have probably punched you in the face. <laughs> because I, I would have thought you were making fun of me. Yeah. Because our conflicts were three hours, three yeah. days, literally three weeks. Mm -hmm. And for you to say to me 20 years ago, dude, you could do this in 30 seconds or less, I'd be like, up yours, buddy. What do you think you are insulting me? Because that's how I would have processed it. Like, that's just an insult, mm -hmm. and you're just being a smart aleck. Uh, and now to experience it continuously, day after day after week after month after year. And to this day, we look at each other like, Really? I mean, I think we're 25 seconds into this tense moment, and we're good. And I, I'm just, I don't know, blows my mind. When a couple is having conflict, is that the time to do the core emotion wheel? Yeah. So the core emotion wheel it was just developed to help us, uh, for one thing, remember the emotions. So we have five regions in our brain that house emotion. We broke them down into eight words because the, the, uh, the one that is just pain we break down into sadness hurt and loneliness because yeah. they manifest very differently mm -hmm. so they kind of stand out differently and they they register on a brain scan differently so that's the three that are in that region and then in the in the disgust region is shame and guilt those also come across differently but they're very close because sometimes we even have a hard time with how to distinguish yeah. the two but when the more so the wheel is like it's like an exercise to really wake yourself up yeah. to your own brain. Yeah. And that's why that's, you know, that's so helpful. That's not the ultimate goal, though. The ultimate yeah. goal, if you guys are in conflict, is in that moment to be able to say, oh, I really felt hurt by what you said. Or I feel a lot of shame when, when you come home and the house is a mess. I just feel a lot of shame. And I, I just feel fear that I'm never going to get mm -hmm. on top of the house as far as cleaning, well, then you've shared at a really deep core level. <laughs> no, I'm not even looking at you, girl. <laughs> I should have been looking at you that whole time. Oh, two kids under two oh, and working full time. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. too yeah. much. We, we it's too much. We resigned ourselves to the fact. Oh, that it's a season. <laughs> okay, let's change that topic, right? Talk about <laughs> a different one. But it's, it's just being able to, to share what's happening with you in the moment. And the wheel is just something that we encourage you to do every day to tune into yourself, to go, oh, let me see, today I felt sad. Oh, yes, I felt sad standing in line at the grocery store because I was running out of time. So I had fear that I wasn't going to get back in time, but I felt a lot of sadness. And I actually felt anger because the person in front of me. And so, see, you're just going through your day wow. tuning in. Like, what happened to me today? Mm. I think and that's it, really helped Brian tuning in, yeah. to really give yeah. verbiage to like the feeling that yeah. you feel. And once we understand, and this is a kind of the starting point years ago when we first started the research, is to recognize humans have five neural regions associated with emotion. That's just human. You don't get to opt out of that. Mm. You don't get to decide, you know what, I'm sick of this oxygen thing. I'm going to breathe ice cream from now on because <laughs> that sounds like fun. I'm just going to breathe ice cream. And you're, yes. you're I'm not judging you. You can breathe oxygen <laughs> if you want. I'm going to breathe ice cream. You don't get that choice. No, you don't. If you decide you're going to breathe sawdust tomorrow, 
You'll be dead soon. That's just a human condition. So humans have five neural regions associated with emotions. Emotions occur throughout the body, but the central command center is what we call the limbic uh, system, and that's true for every human on the planet. Therefore, we know it's true about Glenn. We know it's true about Brian. And again, as Phyllis said, then we divide a couple of those regions up to come up with the eight core emotions. That's just the human condition. And we did the research to even, for example, we say joy instead of happy or glad. And joy was the runaway winner when we did the research to find out how people's brains are triggered. If I say to you, dude, I feel a lot of joy whenever you do that. Your brain activates differently than if I say I felt happy about it. It's not wrong to say happy. It's not wrong to say glad. But the research was close to empirical that whenever I say to Brian, I feel a lot of joy when you hug me, when you see me. I just, I get flooded with joy. It activates the pleasure center of your brain. You experience joy. It becomes a shared human experience. And we connect through that because that was another part of our research is we realize humans connect through emotion. Humans do not connect through logistics. Logistics are real. They exist. That's good. But logistics puts us in the wow. same room geographically. It does not connect us uh, relationally. And we've said for centuries that, oh, no, 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 no. You get like-minded people in the same room, they will connect relationally. Nope. Not necessarily. And they may actually disconnect uh, through that similarity. So good. So, you know, it, it's kind of the tools. And I, what I was just thinking, Brian, you mentioned that we have a book, which, yes, I would encourage all your listeners to get the book. But we knew that we had to go a step further with that, which is why we created master classes. So we have a master class that's called the Foundations, which is from you know directly from the book, with a lot more information as far as um, how to apply it every day. And then through time, people are like, okay, for those of us that are married, since you're a sexologist, a Christian faith-based sexologist, could we do a master class on sex? And we said. Absolutely. And so, you know, what you will hear from us often is first layer is emotional connection. To have great sexual connection, you got to have great emotional connection. Yeah. So we want you to start there in your master class. And then uh, beyond that, people are like, okay, how do you apply this with your kids? And so then we that went into the so studio good. with our oldest daughter who has the five, and we did a master class on parenting, taking all these tools and applying them to all the different age brackets that your children are in and I do want to mention this and just plug it at this moment that yeah. for you guys we developed a, uh, a special code called growing that will <laughs> give go. your listeners 20 percent off uh, on our master class and though some of you may be listening going okay I don't want to yet buy anything I don't want to spend any money so is there something I can do for free well we have a three-part series that's called breaking the cycle of frustration in your relationship wow. and so uh, we will offer that to you guys as well I think it's connectioncodes.co forward slash break and we believe in what they're teaching and we believe that when we're more connected everything else in our lives flows better including oh, our really? relationship yeah. with the Lord um, I have a couple questions before we get Close. out of here yeah. before yeah. we get out of here Great. we talked about young Christian couples and at the beginning of our at the beginning of our marriages it's almost as if there is a pressure to uphold a perfect facade. Mm -hmm. There's like this pressure that we live with, and it's like, and you almost live in fear that the moment that it breaks, mm -hmm. like we're no longer worthy of being this thing to people. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like I experienced so many couples 
who are overwhelmed with shame mm -hmm. because of the fact yeah. that they're dealing with conflict yep. in their marriages when really, I mean, based upon everything that you've said, conflict doesn't have to break our marriages. Mm -hmm. Conflict mm -hmm. doesn't have to bury our marriages. Mm -hmm. It can actually be the doorway into great intimacy. Absolutely. And so, like, what would you what would you say to those couples who are experiencing the shame of of dealing with conflict, but are trying to uphold this perfect mm. facade? Mm. Well, great question. Um, and this is, I mean, big big picture answer. Uh, this is why we're so focused on taking the connection codes throughout the world. Uh, for one thing, we're just mesmerized by it. We're so passionate about this because we live it now, and we're just like, dang, this is unbelievable. And we found the cure for relational cancer, and we can't Come not on. share it. It's just, because we're old, we've been diligent, we could just retire <laughs> and ride off into the sunset. Yeah. We just can't. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we believe that God is uh, in it and that we have a, a mission uh, and that we're just required somehow to, to do this. Uh, but just of what we get to live now is, is plenty. But... So our goal is, and unfortunately, and I don't want to be too unkind to faith-based people, but we've created these atmospheres mm -hmm. where, I mean, even our phrases, you know, people say, oh, I'm putting my Sunday go to meet and clothes on. I'm, I'm putting on my Sunday best. Mm -hmm. And so people know what that means. That means you show up Sunday morning at a certain address and you better look good. You better mm -hmm. look right. And so people, and we talk to people all the time, they say the loneliest hour of my week is Sunday morning. Because I go into this group of pick a number, 100 people, 1,000, 5,000 people, and I'm completely alone. Uh, and they're with a group of people, but they feel alone. So, and unfortunately, our pastors think that they're supposed to model this perfection, this yeah. uh, whatever, this superiority. And so they're modeling and they're discipling their people to be inauthentic. And it's just this vicious cycle that goes round and round and round. So our goal is to change this whole atmosphere, which I believe starts in marriage, it starts uh, in the family, but to change the atmosphere in our church groups so that people are able to be authentic. Because I already know, the guy told me many, many years ago, he said, if you're not being open and honest and real about your struggles, we know you're lying. Mm. But what we all think is that everybody's going, dang, this is amazing. Glenn hasn't struggled in years. <laughs> he, I mean, that dude, he's arrived. I think he's just, you know, quantum leaped into a, a level of perfection. No, everybody knows I'm just lying. <laughs> everybody knows I'm just... Faking it, I'm not being authentic, but what we all think, and Phyllis and I experienced this for so many years, is whatever, we'd be sitting with a group of 10 couples. Each couple thought that the other nine couples were doing great. <laughs> and I remember doing that. We would drive away going, man, it must be nice, you know? Good. Someday, maybe, we'll get to a, a level like they're living, and each couple was driving away saying the exact same thing. But we were all just faking. We were all just lying. Uh, not on purpose, we thought this is what we're supposed to do, and we did not realize that, oh, everybody's drowning. We try to convey very clearly, we're just pilgrims on the journey. Are we a little further down the trail than some people? Yeah, I guess so. But when we use the connection codes, we connect deeply. When we don't, we don't. That's always true. You know, as far as specifically your question, Brian, I think that for couples who have been married longer, they've mm -hmm. got to set the pace. They've got to set the tone yeah. where they yeah. are authentic, where they are sharing their misses with each other. And I think even with our terminology, and I mean, in some ways, this is a no-brainer. It's like if we walk around saying, how are you? Everyone's fine. 
That's the response. <laughs> That's what we're going to get. Yeah. We're fine. And But if we go, hey, you just got back from your honeymoon, so in what way did you guys miss with each other this week while you were gone? Not did you miss, where did you where miss? Where did you miss? How did wow. you miss? Missed. And, and, you know, we seem to talk about, you know, where did you go? What did you do? Uh, you know, looks like you got a tan. You must have gone to the Caribbean. We, we just stay on this real surfacey level instead of right away going, okay, how did you guys miss with each other? Yeah. And then they go, they got to know that terminology. Like, that mm. should be the way we're talking with each other. Where it's like, well, yeah, we did have a miss this week. And, and you know, we, we didn't have a major conflict over it. But, man, it was painful and it was a miss. And it's like, that's, that's how we should be sharing with each other. Because yeah. then we don't, no one's on a pedestal. Yeah, no And one so young couples that are, you know, newly married aren't trying to create a facade. Or they're not trying to, to, li- to live in, a, in an mm. unrealistic place. It's like, of course you guys had misses. I mean, my word. I mean, as everyone knows, weddings alone are the, mm. some of the most stressful <laughs> yeah. uh, things, <laughs> you know. Like you go to your honeymoon often exhausted. Yes. And so that's not a good state to begin your marriage in is total exhaustion. So it's like, well, yeah, my feelings are even at a heightened level. Like I'm more sensitive because I'm so exhausted. And it's like even with all of those things to prepare our engaged couples. Like I think all the ones that are married around all these engaged couples should be just pouring into them truths and and just being like, okay, here's some great ways to – protect yourself from these things. Yeah, and directly in answer to your question, uh, this past year we've spent a lot of time in trainings with church leaderships mm. where, and however many there are, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 50 leaders where they want to get this on track and then they want to bring us back next year so that we speak to the whole church so everybody's on the same page, everybody's speaking the same language. We have to get our church leaders to a level of authenticity which most of them don't know themselves. They have yeah. no idea because they have been resisting their own energy so long. This pastor gets up on Sunday morning. He is not even aware that he has already felt wounded by his wife that morning. He has blocked everything. And so he gets up, he hypes it up. And the dream is that this pastor gets up and says, whew, tough morning. Mm-hmm. I felt a lot of pain with my partner. We just really missed with each other. We're trying to get the kids ready to get here. And I didn't feel seen and heard by her. She didn't feel seen and heard by me. Oh, my gosh. That would change this whole atmosphere. Uh, Whereas what happens instead is that, and I believe from a good heart, good intention, the pastor gets up and says, God is good all the time, which I agree with. Not against that. But we're missing the whole point that this is the human condition. This is the human experience. And so these individuals, again, the same principle that these 10 people or 100 or whatever each of them drives away going, man, it must be nice oh, to yeah. be as good as Brian. That yeah. Brian, man, he is amazing. He's always on point. I mean, he just walks in the spirit. Oh, I wish someday I could live like him. And he doesn't know, oh, no, no, Brian's just a pilgrim on the journey. And he misses things, too. And he had some crap experiences this week. And he mm-hmm. missed with his partner some this week. Yeah. And when we get to that level, now people can actually take a deep breath and exhale and find out, oh, so I'm just a human, just like he's a human, just like Dr. Glenn's a human. Well, dang, I can be authentic here, too. So that's my dream is that we totally change this atmosphere. As we were just talking, as we kind of come to a close, um, I, as, we were, as you guys are sharing your testimony, I just, 
like in my in my spirit i just he- i just heard um the scripture that talks about us overcoming by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and like, i felt like the yeah. lord wanted me to say thank you yeah. thank you to you for your pain mm. for thank sharing you your pain yeah for the years um no thank you for your pain okay. because the years that you experienced pain ultimately are going to uh, make a way for other people not to have to. Yeah. The years of you experiencing yeah. everything that you experienced as you were as you were missing each other, as you were missing it, are creating a way for Sonia and I to not miss it for Ooh. 20 years. Right. Yeah. Right. We get to, you know, we've been married four years. We get to, you know, God willing, you know, and us doing the work, be able to live a life of connectedness yeah. um, because of because of what you guys uh, have gone through and the testimony yeah. that you all are now telling. Yeah. And I know Sonia. And feels it's generational because if yeah. if our boys are raised yes. seeing us use certain phrases mm-hmm. and verbiages with yep. each other, yep. then they're going to learn that and they're going to perpetuate yeah. a healthy connection. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we want you to pray first. We just anything. Um, Phyllis, if you have anything that you wanted to share before we pray, we would just love for you to pray for everybody who's listening. Yeah. I, we, we always believe that people, people are listening because God has called them and God has placed this in front of them for a moment in their lives that they're needed. Yeah. And so we would just love for you to pray for those people who are listening, who are watching this podcast and who yeah. are in desperate need of a revival of their emotions, mm. a revival of connection, connection yeah. and, mm. and everything. Yeah. yeah. There's hope. Thank you. You know what what's on my heart right now, I think I said it early on about being able to live in a relationship with the where the judgment is taken out. Mm. You know, and and I, I have developed a community around me mm. because when I've seen it with Glenn in our marriage, I'm like, that's the friendships I want. Mm. I want friendships where I am not feeling judged by them, but in that it calls me higher. I think we think that judgment is required so that we'll live higher. Mm. And it's actually the opposite. It's like when I feel safe and I feel seen, I want to live higher. I want to, to do more. And, and it's such an incredible thing. So if you're listening today and you feel constant judgment in your relationships, please, please, Read this book, take this master class, and, and just really learn something very different. That It's such a beautiful way to see God and his love for us, and it changes just our understanding of what really has been his intention all along yeah. with who we are and uh, what he has done for us. So. Amen, that's so good. So well spoken. Mm. All right, well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for all of the emotion that you have put Mm. within us and that it's through emotion that we are connected to each other. And that is such a gift that we can feel each other's pain. We can feel each other's sadness. And and Father, just even with joy that we can experience joy because others are feeling joy. And just to know, uh, just your hand in all of this and that we are missing it. If we don't know this about you and about our own bodies, that we really are missing a really big part of the gift that you've given us. So, 
so thankful uh, for Sonia and Brian and this opportunity to be on this podcast and to just share what we have learned through our pain, through our own story. We thank you for Jesus and the life that he lived and the sacrifice that he made so that we can uh, be with you in heaven. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Amen. I just want to remind people that you can find Dr. Glennon Phyllis's book, The Connection Code, on uh, Amazon and uh, anywhere else you buy your books. Um, we have a, uh, they also have an amazing Connections Code e-course that we talked about, the master class, and they are giving us uh, a discount on that. Is that correct? Yeah. Giving us a yeah. discount. Use discount code GROWING. We'll have all of the links in the description box uh, or captions wherever you're uh, watching. So make sure you you definitely take advantage of these resources. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Growing with the Neeras. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you share it with a friend and also that you leave a review and subscribe on whatever platform that you are listening or watching on. And we will see you next week.